more in-depth pictures all the time, but most of the time I'm in art hunting mode as a, as a partnership, you know? I'm always searching for something to make the next piece more unique. Like, actually the Wahoo I shot on Saturday swam up to me and it was to the west of me and the sun was setting. It was late in the afternoon, so it was kind of silhouetted and when I turned to the fish, I spooked it and it rolled on its side. Capturing special moments with fish like this wahoo through his art is what Casey Scott is all about. Many more stories and perspectives from this man of the water and canvas today on this Ocean Life podcast with me, Josh Peterson. Casey Scott has based his life off of two core natural abilities revolving around the ocean. The first, his ability to interact firsthand with fish through angling, freediving, photography, and spearfishing to return with vivid imagery of their natural beauty and power. The second, Casey's ability to transfer those real-life moments into creative pieces of art that, whether on a canvas or a t-shirt, continually keep us connected back to the ocean with a lifestyle of creating amazing art and pursuing fish in his local Florida waters and more remote locations like Costa Rica. Casey stays humble and appreciative of his talents, nature, and those around him. And to round it all out, Casey keeps focus on surfing and enjoying life with family and guiding his young daughter toward her own ocean life. Great stories, energy, and inspiration today from Casey Scott. Enjoy. Finally, Mother Nature cooperated. We've had some serious wind down here for the past month or so. We got out uh, with the intention of hoping to see some wahoo, and uh, luckily we did. We ended up, we shot some nice snapper and then uh, had school wahoo come up to us. And, and whenever you shoot those things, there's no telling what can happen. And of course, this was the same way. You know, got uh, shot a really nice fish. She was ended up being just over 40 pounds. Pulled me around for 10 minutes, uh, sharks tried to eat him, I mean, all the above. And somehow nice, ended up landing it and ate it for dinner, so it was good. Oh, good day. yeah, man. So it's been a little bumpy. It's been hard to get out lately, huh, down there? Yeah, well, we had swell. I mean, January we had a lot of surf, which was awesome, but uh, just a lot of wind, northeast wind. It's been, uh, it is the season. It's winter in Florida. Yeah, yeah. So tell folks, you know, give us some reference. Like, where are you exactly? What town and what, 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 where are you out in the water when you're out there going? I'm in West Palm Beach. Um, mm -hmm. We are, you know, South Florida. Uh, we are the closest point to the Gulf Stream here in the United States. So it's about a mile and a half, maybe two miles, depending on the day. So we pretty much dive right here in front between Jupiter and West Palm Beach. Um, it's about a I don't know, 15 mile stretch of water that we dive most of the time goes from, uh, you know, the beach to 300 foot within about two and a half miles. So it, it yeah. drops fast. We got a lot of fish here, a lot of migratory fish. So you, there's really no telling what's going to be going on. All yeah, kinds of determined. That's by sweet. The yep. Yeah. So talk about your setup these days. They're so talking about spearing fish. I mean, what are you shooting with these days? Oh, God, I got a whole bunch of guns. It seems like I'm switching all the time. I got some a local guy here makes a gun called Koa. I shoot those. I have a uh, Rob Allen, which is a South African gun, which yep. I, I, you know, I I love them all. But uh, for some reason, I tend to hit more with the Rob Allen, which is... Do you? Yeah. What's that? The tuna, the, the rail gun? Like yeah. Like the 120 or something? Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, I got I got one of those too. And a Rob Allen uh, 80, 80 or 90. I don't know for like more reef fish. Type yeah. Stuff. 
they're a great gun. I mean, I've shot shot yellow uh, yellowfin down in Costa Rica with them. I've shot wahoo. Shot I pretty much shot everything with that gun. It goes where I point it. Yeah. Trigger pulls easy. Kind of a pain in the ass to load, but <laughs> you know, I actually wedge a insole to a shoe right in the chest protector on my on the on my wetsuit, so I can without damaging my chest loading it every day. Oh yeah, man, that's key. Get out of the water with your big old red mark right yeah, there. Exactly. You know, days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. That's cool. So for you, I mean, you know, as as we talked about, and we'll get into heavily here, just the art, you know, what you're doing day to day. But you know, part of your ability, I'm kind of making an assumption here, and you tell me, part of your ability to be creative and, and recreate these really amazing scenes of the animals in the ocean that you're around is to see them firsthand, right? And that's what you're doing this weekend. You're out, you know, spearfishing with friends. You're seeing these things live firsthand. You'd be able to recreate that. But I'm guessing that like maybe this weekend, even, you know, you're out there with a spear gun, you're kind of in hunting mode, but so do you sometimes pause when you're just kind of catching some unique scene or something that distracts you from the hunt and that you're just more of like an artistic mode or when you got that spear gun in your hand, man, it's just all blinders, all hunt. I, I, you know what, to be honest, I feel like sometimes my brain works is like, a, you know, it's a high def camera. Um, I see stuff and when it, when it's that situation, the lights, right. Or the subjects, right. I tend to remember it for a certain point of time. You know, I wish I had more in-depth pictures all the time, but most of the time I'm in art hunting mode is a, is a partnership. You know, I'm yeah. always searching for something to make the next piece more unique. Like Actually, the Wahoo I shot on Saturday swam up to me, and it was to the west of me, and the sun was setting. It was late in the afternoon, so it was kind of silhouetted, and when I turned to the fish, I spooked it, and it rolled on its side. And the way the sun lit up the lateral line in the fish uh-huh. and that electric blue, I mean, I, it, it, that image will burn in my mind for forever. You know, the water was kind of greenish blue and it was super dark and the fish was all lit up when he rolled on his side. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And that man, was one of those times it was just like my brain just snaps that picture real quick and I don't forget yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, man, that's so cool. Now, how about the other sort of, uh, I guess, end of the spectrum where you're in the water with, with the fish or something, but you have a camera and you wish you had a spear gun, you know, do you get those moments too? Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know what? I almost, the dive that when I shot the, uh, um, when I shot the Wahoo, I had almost gotten in with my camera, but then I mm-hmm. thought, ah, you know what? I got a GoPro on the end of the gun. It's gets yeah. me enough, but I do shoot with a, with a Sony as well. And, uh, yeah, there are times I get down there and uh, yeah, for some reason fish know, you know, they know the difference between a camera and a spear gun and they swim right up to the camera and you're oh, thinking, yeah. man, if I had a gun, Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It happens a lot. Yeah, I bet. I bet, man. If you bring it, they won't come. But if you don't have it, they'll be sitting there just kind of broadside, just hanging out, waiting for waiting for you to shoot them, but you can't. <laughs> there must be something about the aura you give off when you're down there that you're not yeah. in the intent of killing them. And they come, especially big snappers, big muttons and kuberas, things of that nature. They, you know, they're always swimming away from you. Put a camera in your hand, they come right to you. Huh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. we got fish here. I mean, you guys probably do too, like yellowtail in the kelp beds in California. And that's a similar thing. Well, they'll, they'll totally vibe you out or they'll, they'll pick up on your vibe. And if you're staring at them, they know it and they are gone. But if you ignore them, you know, kind of put your head down, you're just not really looking at them. You know, they'll be like, why aren't you looking at me? Why aren't you looking yeah. at me? And they'll cruise by, you know, they kind of, you can kind of sometimes psych them out, but then other fish, they just know, man, they know what you're up to. It doesn't matter if you're looking at them or not. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's where you need that, you know, that I always say it's like that extra 20 or 30 seconds of breath hold that you can just chill and hang out because they cannot get away from not turning around and coming back to look at you. Yeah, I know. I know they can't, man. So talk about that breath hold part. I mean, are you, do you do any breath hold training? You just out there doing it over time and getting, you know, just expanding your ability to stay deep and stay longer? You know, it's funny. I've never, uh, one of my good buddies is a free dive instructor and, but I've never taken a class. And I've never, I don't really do any exercises either. It was one of those things I grown up uh, diving, you know, I grew up on a lake in Michigan and then, uh, and it was always, you know, how deep can you dive? How far can you swim underwater? And then as a kid vacationing in the Keys, when we started lobstering and spearfishing, it was just always something I did. I have a little routine that I do before a dive, you know, a slight little breathe up, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I don't wear a watch. I, I try to just go off my body, you know, and some days it's good. And other days you fight to get over 50 foot. And some days, you know, the other day I shot a fish at 80 foot. So, which is pretty good. Um, You know, it's all, it's between the ears. It's my sinuses are clear. You know, there's a lot of variables that go into that, but uh, I, I wish that I actually did a little bit more. I need to do a little bit more breath hold training. I think a little more cardio exercise really all I do is surf is, my only cardio that I do. So. <laughs> yeah, man, I know. I've, I've been, I'm the same, man. I grew up just doing it. And I have friends as an instructor, friends who've done the, the training. And, you know, I, I get tips and tricks from them. And I'm threatening to go do a three-day course, you know, because I, I, you learn so much, but I just haven't. <laughs> you, you know, know what, I, do it. from what I hear about the course, especially level one, the most important stuff you learn is the safety you know, yeah. I have had some buddies black out. Unfortunately, all of them yep. have been saved. Um, it's the safety. I, I feel like some people that are new to it, that do the course and they get to watch, they become so married to these numbers. You know, yep. they forget to look at, to really feel what their body's telling them. Uh, you know, cause for me, it's all my, my body is going to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. Yeah. And there, you know, I actually found myself the other day kind of rushing and I got down to about 50 foot on the edge of this reef and I was really struggling. I was like, okay, this, I got to get settled down, get a nice breathe up, you know, and do this right. Cause otherwise I was just, it was useless. Totally. Absolutely. And you know it too. And it gets in your head and then it gets worse. You got to just like stop, pause and just get your mind right, you know, and then get back into it if you can. Exactly. Exactly. And so it kind of seems that there's like a correlation, I guess, between like breath holds, you know, uh, spear fishing and then art too, where it's like, you, you're just kind of, you're out, you're, you're in a different world. You're just in this super focused world, you know? Uh, do you find that as well when you're doing art, you're just locked into some piece or some you know part of it where time kind of stands still, just like when you're chasing a fish or something underwater, time's kind of standing still. Absolutely. You know, it's been a, a awesome vehicle for me my whole life when whenever there needs to be an escape from whatever it might be when I was a kid, it was just the, you know, growing up, the things that you go through, I could always escape and I had a little art room in the house and I could get in there and literally just like you said time stands still, you forget about everything else going on and before you know it you've blown 4 hours creating something. And now I find that, you know, with the, all the other things that go on with business and licensing and the licensees we work with and emails and customers and employees, all this stuff. There's times in the evening that I'm like, I just need to paint for a few hours. And next thing I know, my wife's calling me and she's like, Hey, when are you coming home? And I'm thinking, man, I just burned three hours and haven't looked up. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's still an awesome escape for me. And it is, it's just like free diving. When you are in the water, even if you're diving or just on the surface drift and you know that, you know, that time just stands still, you know, and you're just locked in and taking in the environment and everything else and under reading your body. And it, it's awesome. Both of them are a perfect uh, escape from, from, I guess, normal life. Indeed. Yeah. And it's such a good, healthy escape. There's a lot of other things you could do that aren't so quite so healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a good escape. <laughs> True story. Now, how about surfing too? You mentioned that. I know I've been seeing stuff on Surfline and it's been, like I think, a pretty insane winter for you guys down there with, with waves and everything. I mean, talk about that. How's it been? We, you know, we've had a good... Um, 2020 has been good. January was solid. I We had a really good stretch of swell for about five days. And to be honest, I didn't score a single day. Every day I got out, there was too yep. much current. I went to the wrong spot. Problem with where where I am, when you get a big north swell, you have to go south. You have to get down into Palm Beach Island or down into Del Rey. Or, I'm sure you saw some of the pictures that came out of Miami a couple weeks ago. Yeah, crazy. You know, and, and that's just, I mean... I started surfing late in life and sometimes I know when to say no. And, and sometimes when that stuff gets double overhead, it's so fast and just mm -hmm. heavy and it's no place for me. But, uh, you know, that, and that's the hard thing where we are in Jupiter up here. When we get big swell like that, the current's atrocious and you can hardly even, unless you tuck behind one of the jetties, which then there's another hundred guys fighting for a little tiny peak and right. Kind of takes pleasure out of it to me. I like to get out yeah. there and not have to worry. Yep. You know, so, but, yeah. uh, but it has been good. And we've got, uh, I think maybe this weekend they got a little swell coming. I got some, a boat show this weekend, so we won't be around, but there's a few guys with their fingers crossed open that something yeah. shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. So when we, we met a few weeks ago, gosh, it's probably been a month now, time's flying at Surf Expo, you know, and it was fun sitting down talking with you for a few minutes uh, and then seeing the piece you're working on, which was, uh, I think, a blue marlin. And we had mentioned, we were talking about, you had opportunity to swim at these things, as we talked about just a moment ago, you know, being out in the water, just seeing these things firsthand, not in hunting mode, but just being in like, in general interaction mode, you know? Uh, and so talk about that. I mean, and I'm, I'm curious, I love to hear the, the stories of being with these big, magnificent fish. I mean, when was, the, when was the first time you got in the water to swim with like a blue marlin or something else like that? Just a big, magnificent pelagic. First time was, oh God. Um, the first time I ever saw one actually was free swimming. Uh, we were spearfishing down in the Keys and one came up to us. It was maybe 150 or 200 pounder. Um, and then a hooked one the first time I got in the water. God, I don't even know how many years ago, maybe seven years, six, seven years ago. Saw, um, actually I was a free swimmer was, uh, I saw a black marlin down in Panama. Um, and then Costa Rica, I've done it a few times down there. You know, they, they're amazing. They're, I, there's a reason why so many people spend so much time and money to chase those fish around because when they show up, they're they're big and they're aggressive and they're strong and and there's they're awesome i mean even when they're hooked and swimming next to the boat they're still intimidating yeah and uh and, and they're awesome i love painting them but uh getting in the water with them is a whole nother animal you know most most likely you're not going to get hurt by them but they're big and it's intimidating yeah <laughs> i bet yeah 
have you had one like slice through some bait in front of you with their bill and be kind of like, whoa, that was a little close? No, I wish. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I have not seen it live like that. But, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, spending more time down in Central America around the fads and places like that, which I have, I've done it a couple of times, but I want to do a lot more. That's where you're going to hopefully run into that. Yeah. You know, yeah, that behavior. So when you're down there, I mean, you're down there for hunt, for get capturing, you know, images to bring back to, to, for your art. What are you doing when you're down there? Just pure fun. All the above. Um, I've become good buddies with a guy that owns a lodge called Zancudo Lodge. It's in the Oost Peninsula there. And, uh, He's got some great boats and, you know, we can go from catching rooster fish and snappers to running offshore to chasing tunas, which we've gone down there and shot them, uh, go out to fads, catch blue marlin. I mean, the place is epic. You know, my wife hadn't caught a blue marlin. We went down there and within about 30 minutes of lines in the water, we had one chasing our, we were using live yellowfin tunas. And I mean, the place is awesome. So we catch pretty much anything you want. So it's awesome. So that's just like the spot to go, man. Yeah. Having like somebody you know, I mean, it's one thing to go on a trip that that's new to you and you don't know the boats, the guys, et cetera. That's fun. But when you have it dialed where you know somebody, you know the gear, you know the boats, that's just like, it's, I don't know, you, your confidence is so much greater and the money and time you're spending, you know? So you got it dialed, it sounds like. Yeah, it's awesome. I actually sent, I flew down uh, that Rob Allen 120 and uh, float system and everything. So I left that there. So that's ready oh, for yeah. shooting tunas. And then nice. uh, I know another guy that shapes boards down there. So there's all the surfboards you can ride. So yeah, it's very dialed in. Right on, man. Yeah. Right on, right on. So then let's go switch over to the art. You know, I mean, you have, you do a lot of different stuff. I mean, you have your own brand, which is really cool. You also then license your artwork to the hook brand as well. So let's talk about sort of where it all began. I mean, back as a kid, you know, you, you were, you're here in, in, you're there in Florida, but you're from Michigan originally. So give us the story, man, of A, how you got hooked into art originally and then how you made that migration down to Florida. Oh, man. So when I was, uh, I think I was uh, pre-K, I remember having to draw this uh, Smokey and the Bear and everybody put their drawings up on the wall. And I remember distinctly looking at them and thinking, man, that mine looks a lot different than everybody else's. It wasn't that I thought it was better. It was just a lot different. And then, which, you know, as any kid, you have a little success doing something, you want to keep doing it. So art became something that I always did and I loved. And fortunately, my mom always pushed it. You know, she had every drawing I ever did mm-hmm. with plastered all over the house. And and every once in a while, my my going to the toy store was actually uh, going to the art store. It was like Christmas, you know, wow. and I'd get some pencils or paint or whatever it was. And uh, so I always did art, but I was more into um, sports, of course. And yep. Yep. uh like I was saying earlier, we went to the Keys forever as a kid vacationing. So that's kind of how I got hooked on the saltwater side. And then um, I would go back to Michigan and we were a big hunting and fishing family. So, you know, sport and fishing, whatever it was, I always wanted to draw fish. Um, so I did that and I drew drew a lot of people and whatever else. And then I was playing golf. My dad was a golf pro, so golf was always you know, mm-hmm. second nature. So I went to college, played golf. I went to Michigan state, was there two years. And then after uh, my sophomore year, I'd had enough the cold weather 
And fortunately, an ex-player from Michigan State was the head coach at Barry University down in Miami. And he said, come on down. So they gave me a scholarship and I moved to Miami and that would have been in 2000. And I really never left Florida after that. (laughs) I mean, I would go home here and there and uh, I played golf through college and I played professionally for a handful of years and never could quite cut it. And then in 08, I was working part time at a golf course in Bradenton. A bunch of my buddies were Florida Cracker boys. All they wanted to do was fish, <laughs> fish and dive and whatever else. And and uh, I had been fishing with one of them and a member from the club. And as a thank you uh, for taking us fishing to the member, I drew a picture of the day we were tarpon fishing in Boca Grande. And when everybody saw it, they you know they were going crazy and they're like, wow. man, you need to do more of this. And once again, like when I was five, the success and people you know saying. Yeah. Hey, we love this. Do more. Fueled the fire. So I started to draw and paint more. And actually, the first real painting I did, you can still buy um, in Bass Pro today. No so, way. Yeah, it was a tarpon and a golf connection. A guy made corrugated box systems. And one of his customers was a publisher of an art publisher for Bass Pro Shops. So I got some stuff in front of them and they put it in and Again, fuel to the fire, and wow. that would have been in the fall of 08, 09. Um, and then I just, one thing led to another, and, and uh, I, just, I I somehow decided I was going to make it a career. I mean, it wasn't like it was 08 and the economy was in the dump. You know, I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> looking back on it, but all is good now. Dude, that's so cool. So then uh, when you kind of went into golf mode, I mean, you've always, art's always been like a part of your life. But when you're golfing and serious in college and everything, were you just kind of, you weren't really like focusing on perfecting your craft of art. You were focused on perfecting the craft of hitting a golf ball for a while. And then especially pro, you're traveling around, you're chasing tournaments. I mean, were you just sketching, doing little art on the side, like as to just release a little bit? Or did you kind of hang it up for a while? Exactly. When you're doing the golf thing. You know, I would say um, I kind of hung it up. I mean, I, I, I did do some art. Um, but for the most part, I, I neglected it. It should have left me, you know. Yeah. I, I I mean, I'm fortunate that it that it stayed. But mm-hmm. I, I did a little sketching in college. Of course, I did it in class on the back of all of my papers. Yeah. You know, I turned in everything, even the ones I wasn't supposed to, with some sort of doodle on them. <laughs> you know, I actually still have some, and I look at them, and I'm like, man, that was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, you know, I would draw a little bit in hotel rooms and things like that, but yeah. nothing you know, nothing extensive, no yeah. real projects, just the quick doodles here or there. So, but I didn't paint at all. You know, I didn't paint at all from about 98 to, you know, my senior year of high school until 08. So there was a good 10 years. So it, it should have left me, but it didn't, wow. fortunately. Yeah. So how was that? I mean, you, you get back from a trip, you draw this tarpon, all these guys were stoked on it. Like, did it kind of just, you said it kind of reinvigorated you, but when you moved to like, okay, I'm going to kind of start doing this, pulled out the canvas and the paints and stuff. Was that, was it just like riding a bike? You just got back on it and boom, or was it a little bit of like flailing around to kind of get it back? You know, it, it felt really good at the time. You know, the pieces I created, the composition was good. The art was okay. Um, it, it, it felt good, you know, I, but looking back at it, I, I probably would have been, I would have thought, oh, no, th- you know, this is not very good. I need yeah. to 
try to do something different, you know, but at the time it was like, you know, not knowing. And I was, I mean, the art that I was comparing it to, I was, it was equivalent. Yeah. So that kind of yeah, got you in the game. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like there was some ace that was just creating this art that was so much better that I thought, oh man, I yeah. could never do that. Right. You know, so, and it was one of those things too, that once I started, I used to fish and dive quite a bit when I was playing golf, but not, you know, not to the point when I started to paint full time, I thought, man, if I'm going to do this right, I need to spend more time in the water. So I bought cameras. I mean, the amount of cameras and gopros and thing crap that i've bought to try to capture and then study rather than diving and shooting fish now all of a sudden i'm really studying the environment and that really made a big difference Hmm. so in terms of being able to recreate the scenes underwater yeah yeah i mean i you know i have a good friend and he's a fellow artist and he does wood carvings and uh he told me one time he's like look there's a lot of guys painting fish but there's not a lot of guys that can capture the atmosphere and that's what it's all about and i started to think about it and i'm like well what the hell is he talking about mm-hmm. and then the more and more i paid attention i realized that there's just so much more going on there than just the subject of the fish yeah, yeah. so you know i started you can capture it in pictures and you know, just started really paying attention to it. And that's kind of when I felt like my art went from that beginning stage of, you know, mediocrity to now where it is that people really feel as though they're underwater. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, man. And I look at my own like buying patterns of, or just, I love art, just seeing it. And I love fish. I'm obsessed with fish too, but it's one thing to see a really well drawn or painted fish by itself. And it's another thing to see it. Maybe it's chasing something or it's in it doing its natural thing. Like, as sportsmen, as like, you know, people who are obsessed with just being under the water, seeing these things, when you feel like you're there because the fish is making a turn and there's some bait or whatever that is, it's different than just that fish just kind of by itself, you know? For sure. You know, the, 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 the water's got to, there's always, you know, the, the, the particles in the water and then the fish themselves, you know, I felt like it's been kind of a, injustice to the viewers of we've seen all these fish over the years that have been painted and they're all lit up and these beautiful they don't look like that down right i mean like people ask about what a wahoo looks like underwater i'm like it's nothing it's you see a little highlight on the back you see the eyeball and maybe you know the tail you might if you're close enough you can see a little lateral line but they're really not all lit up unless the situation is perfect. Like it was for me on Saturday, but even that they aren't barred up with these perfect blue bars and all this stuff you see, you know? And, and a lot of times, I mean, there's the fish kind of disappears into the environment. Like you don't see necessarily the belly or, you know, so there's a lot of little intricacies that really kind of put it all together in one rather than a fish with some water behind it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, how about, so, you know, you, you, you created this brand, got a ton of traction and you're just doing awesome. Now there's a level of guessing of like quality, right. And then also just like, um, output, like you gotta be jamming stuff out, you know? So like the prolific nature of what you're doing, you know? So how is that for you? Like balancing, like, you know, I gotta get stuff out, but I, it's gotta be great. I mean, how, how, how do you balance that? Oh man, you know, that, that is a challenge because I, early on, I like to engulf myself in whatever it was I was painting. If I was doing a sailfish, I wanted to be sailfish and I wanted to be jumping in the water with them and really studying that. And then it came along that there was so much stuff, especially on the licensing end, you know, that 
they'll give me a list of say 20 different designs that they want. Oh yeah. You know, and, and if I was to create 20 oil paintings, there's just no chance. But fortunately I've been able to, I love to sketch. I love to draw with whatever it is, charcoal, like I was doing at surf expo Mm -hmm. or graphite, you know, and I've even messed around with some of this digital stuff. So it's allowed me to have more avenues to create art at different paces, you know, because most of my oil, oil paintings take ah, four to eight weeks. That's if I'm really focused on it, as opposed to I can do a drawing in a few days. Digitally, I can do the same thing. I can kind of, you know, you can draw it out on paper. You can have it scan, bring it into the into the whatever digital platform you're using and color it. And some of that stuff, because sometimes oil paintings are really hard to translate into apparel when it comes to screen printing and all the colors where with the digital thing, you can kind of cut the corners, not, not in a bad way, but you can make a image that'll work better for apparel than it would on canvas. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really kind of, it's one of those things over, you know, 10 years ago, I could have never done what I do now, but I've learned so many things and I'm always open to trying new stuff and, and that's helped a ton in how I can, my production levels of the art that I need to create can fluctuate, you know. When we come back from a quick break, we'll hear about Casey's approach to creating his ocean art on a variety of mediums, including boats, buildings, and more. Stay with us. I love art of the ocean and seeing highly descriptive paintings on canvas and images on clothing of the magnificent fish that I lay awake at night dreaming about. They're key ways that keep me amped for my next adventure in, on, or under the water. Now, if ocean art also resonates with you, check out Casey Scott's art at kcscottartist.com, link in the show notes, where you can find art and apparel that will look good on your wall or the back of your shirt. And if you find something you like, use coupon code OCEAN20 at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. You can beat that. And when you do, you'll be supporting a family-owned and operated business that, as you're hearing in this podcast episode, is dedicated to helping us all grow our connection to the ocean. Now, let's get back to Casey. And there's a lot of different outputs of your art. You know, as you mentioned, there's like, you know, the good old traditional, you're painting, like, you know, paint on a canvas. Then there's something you're creating that's going to go on a t-shirt. But you've also done like boats, sides of buildings, you know, I mean, talk about that difference. I mean, just, and there's some really cool shots of you painting, it looks like a white shark on the side of this big giant building. That this thing's, I don't know what, 30, 40 feet tall or something. It's gigantic, a giant mural, basically. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's one of those things early on, I had done a few shows and I wasn't going to do apparel and I was just going to sell art. And I realized, I realized real quick that that was not the route I needed to go, that Mm -hmm. I had to, if I wanted to do this, especially in such a niche environment, like saltwater or game fish, I should say, because I love freshwater fish too. Um, I had to figure out a lot of ways to get my art in a lot of different places. So the first, all right, or the second thing I learned besides painting, which I would say was most important is Photoshop. I learned how to be able to take an image out of one of my paintings, create and create something totally different that Mm. could go on a boat you know, or a boat wrap or could go on the side of a truck or could make a decal. And it gave me another revenue stream and another way to show my art off. And then, you know, we've done all sorts of digital stuff. And then I have a friend, um, he has a wakeboarding park 
and he had gotten one of the prefab uh, container um, pro shops. Mm-hmm. And uh, his dad is an ex, uh, um, one of the best PGA Tour players of all time. And it, it's uh, Greg Norman. So, yeah. of course, the shark is infamous in the family. Oh, so that's bad. They wanted the shark on the side of the building. So we were rapping one night about just doing a little shark, this, that, and the other. And I was like, all right, I got to come up with something better than that. So I did this whole black and white. Yeah. And it was about 50, 40, I think it's about 40 feet wide by about 12 foot tall. And uh, that was an experience because I hadn't really done spray paint before. Um, So I started spray painting and then came back in with acrylics. And it was a huge learning curve, which you probably can't tell by the art that saving grace of a mural is is it's not like an oil painting where you're you're viewing it from a foot or five feet you're viewing it from 20 to 100 foot so right if there's a few loose strokes here or there it's not really a big deal but that was awesome and i'm hoping to do a few more of those here in the near future yeah that looks cool how long did it take you to do that i'm looking at it on instagram right now and there's a shot of you across the street kind of surveying and getting that sort of distance perspective i mean well how is that a couple of weeks couple of days how's long no, it, it took it took me seven days actually yeah. i had a it was funny i had a quick window because my wife and i and and our little one went out west and i had a seven day window to get it done before we left because then the grand <laughs> opening was after our trip so oh, i had man. seven days and just crammed it out it was actually one of those times every time i look at those pictures i have a little nostalgia because it was i'd show up there in the morning i'd work on it all day and then at about six o'clock they were training all of their uh, the guys that were their operators for the cable park so we'd get to ride until dark so oh. i'd work all day and then jump on a wakeboard and ride for a couple hours it was pretty awesome yeah man that's sweet that's sweet mm-hmm. you know i'm back at surf expo you know you you were creating a uh, a painting of a blue marlin that the hook brand was going to give away to one of their reps um, or distributors. And this was like kind of, you know, people looking at it, you did it, you know, during the, during the expo, so people can watch art trying to take shape, you know, I mean, talk, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, like how is that different? Like when somebody is kind of not breathing over your back, but like people are watching, you know, versus just total isolation in your studio with your tunes on or whatever. I mean, the difference of doing art live in front of people versus sort of, in a, you know, on your own, how is that? You know what, to be honest, it it goes back to what we were talking about. Sometimes when you get into it, you're not really paying attention to anything else in the world. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter if there's a bunch of people watching me or if I'm alone in my studio, it's kind of the same. My brain just goes into this creation mode and I'm not really paying attention to what's around me. Now, when I'm doing it live, I'm on the canvas for a much shorter period of time in increments than I am when I sit down in my studio and nobody's talking to me or, you know, coming by and saying hello. Yeah. But uh, it's fun either way. I've found that when it when it's live, it's if I were to do an oil painting live that that the oil paintings happen so slow that nobody really sees the progress. So you're kind of it's kind of boring as opposed to when I'm painting with spray paint on a mural or I'm doing something like I was doing at surf expo with the charcoal, where you're really covering a lot of space fast and you're really, you can see change quick. So, and people like that, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it a million times where the guys do the live paintings and they're flipping the canvases. And in like five minutes, all of a sudden, Jimi Hendrix pops off this black can. People (laughs) love that, you know, and that's definitely a little different application, but same idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so how did you get hooked up with the hook brand? Uh, no pun intended. Originally, so uh, long story short, in 2011, I did a piece for Billabong, 
they uh, wanted uh, kind of this, I guess it would be all of our dreams, blue marlin jumping, perfect reeling left with a bunch of tunas under it, which really wouldn't happen, but yeah. that's what they wanted. It was sure. for a board short. Yep. And the, the image ended up being so much that they – they liked it so much they used it and merchandised it through a line. They did tanks, tees, hats. They did the whole thing. Well, I had done that design. They released it in September, surf, I believe, or January. And uh, one of the guys, he was working for Under Armour at the time, Ben Verner, was at surf. He saw the piece, kind of tracked me down because at the time they were thinking they wanted to do something like that on the fish hunt side at Under Armour. And I, after the experience with Billabong, I wanted, I didn't really want to just create art and then hand it off, get a check and be done with it. I wanted a little more attachment to it. And, you know, from the business end, get a royalty off of what I sell. Yeah. So I told him that and told him when he came, when he approached me about doing something with Under Armour, I told him that and he thought it wouldn't be a problem. And it ended up, uh, you know, Under Armour wasn't really in the, what do you want to say business of licensing fish art so they didn't do it well ben then came back to me in 2014 and said hey we're leaving under armor you know it's gotten it became corporate you know it wasn't the good old boys mm-hmm. doing the fish hunt stuff like it initially was when they'd started so they started the brand hook and uh, they came to me and he said, hey, would you be interested in doing what we had discussed at Under Armour with the hook? And I said, wow. yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So in 2014, we started making some designs. We did a few tees and it's just grown from there. You know, now it's on everything. Wow, which man, is that's awesome. cool. Yeah, your art's basically a cornerstone of that brand, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it, it, fortunately it has been. You know, they, they do a lot with the camo and the patterns, mm-hmm. but I feel like the art has been pretty distinct as well with it. So yeah. pretty pumped about that. Yeah, man, for sure. And then, you know, and Hook, the Hook brand is about just like the, the, the water sports lifestyle focused on fishing a lot, you know. And so tying back to your own angling, you know, you're spending time in the water surfing, you're diving, free diving, spearfishing, but also you got, a, you know, a rod and reel. I mean, how do you fit that into all of this as well. Just going out and chasing fish with the, you know, fishing. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I fish, I love fishing. It's been, I always tell people I don't discriminate. I don't care what it is as long as it's tugging on the other end, you know, sure. It's awesome to have a blue Marlin busting up in the spread, but at the same time, if it's a little bass, I don't mind. I love it. Um, I've been that way my whole life. It kind of goes right along with the art and the surfing and the, free diving as to when you're doing it, you're just time and all the other BS going on in the world just goes by the wayside and you get to focus and really enjoy something. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just like surfing and everything else. You got a few hours set aside here there. It's not like back in the old days where you could just go out sun, sunrise and sunset fish all day, you know, but, uh, I, I can justify it that it's work for me so I can fit it into the schedule pretty easy when, when the time is right, you know, and, uh, I, I love fishing. I still fish a lot and uh, I got lots of buddies, different groups, you know, you got your fishing buddies and your diving buddies. And so, yeah, we do a lot of fishing. Yeah, man. It looks like you have no, no problem finding a boat. Maybe you even have your own boat to go out on, but just, I'm guessing you have plenty of options. Yeah, there are a pretty sick ride to get out and chase after the fish too. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of options. 
Yeah, yeah. That's nice, man. So as you mentioned, like can't quite go, you know, sun up to sundown chasing fish anymore with your own your own business and they're busy, but also family, right? You've got a wife and a young daughter, you know. So I mean, talk about like, you know, now it's a different kind of phase and your your thoughts on getting helping your daughter become kind of ocean focused as well. Is that something you're uh, you know thinking about? Oh, most definitely. You know, she, uh, we, my wife is, has always got her into different stuff. And she actually, we started her in swim class at four months and she's uh, now 19 months and she swims great. She's still working on a few things, but she'll get to the side of the pool and monkey crawl. She doesn't love rolling on her back, but she swims and it's awesome. And we're in the pool all the time in the water. Um, I've stood her up on a surfboard and a little bit of whitewash, uh, you name it. We do it all. Of course, water, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that that's the route she goes. Um, you know, I have, uh, my, I, we have a, in the family on my wife's side is some, there's some deep seated surfers and I've talked to a few of them about, uh, about, you know, kids and teaching them. And the number one thing is don't scare them. So I can't push her, That's you right, know, man. you know, granted she's young for it now, but another couple of years, you know, and a lot of my buddies have got kids. So we're all kind of pushing for the same thing. So we're hoping that, uh, you know, cause when you're a little kid and you got a bunch of buddies to do it with it, it makes it, you know, more enjoyable or more appealing. So yeah, definitely she, you know, the other day when we got in and opened the cooler up she was standing on the dock pointing at the wahoo and got her down in the boat she was poking it and you know doing all those things so so far so good she seems to love everything so yeah man uh i love that that's the right approach man i mean my i got teenagers so i can test to that which is not not push them help them introduce them help them like it hope they do like it and then of course love it but again like you said they'll be way more amped if their friends are like hooting them into a wave versus you hooting them into a wave. You know, that's just how that works, you know? So exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, with Gabby Reese and she was talking about, uh, about her girls and how, you know, and, and I think she was with Joe Rogan and he said something, well, you know, you're Gabby Reese and Laird Hamilton. She's like, no, we're just mom and dad. Yeah, that's right. She's like, you got to have cool friends around, you know, yeah. mom's got cool friends. And then if the girls see mom's cool friend doing it, it's different than mom. Totally. You know, she's not the volleyball superstar that, that we all see her <laughs> as she's just mom, you know? So I'm hoping for the friends. I'm hoping for my buddies that she'll enjoy you know, paddling out with them. Cause I know that my dad's friends were a huge part of my yeah. um, growing up and my golf, even my fishing and all, and my diving, everything. It was all because my dad's buddies, you yeah, know, man. cause most of the kids that I grew up with didn't really hang in that world. You know, it was a little scary for them. Yep. So yeah, yeah, man, no, for sure. So you said you got a show coming up uh, soon. What, what, what is that show? What are you going to Miami boat show? Yeah. Yeah, we actually head down this afternoon, um, build the booth the next couple of days, and then this weekend we crank down there. That's always been a big one for us. Actually, this is my 10th year doing it, and wow. Miami's been a huge yeah, – I mean, I get a lot of support down there. We get a lot of international customers, and uh, it's awesome, you know, it's uh, it, to go and – Seeing my art online is one thing, but when you see it in person, and I have some pretty big pieces, you know, mm -hmm. people really love it. So going down there and talking about the art and – and it's awesome. It's my it's my favorite event of the year, so I'm really pumped. Nice, man. Well, good luck with that, man. That's, Thank that's you. super cool. So then beyond that, man, 2020 is kind of 
it's already flying by, but anything else, any big trips or anything fun you're looking forward to this year? Oh man. Uh, going to try to get out West and do a little skiing far, far removed from the ocean. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to get down to Costa Rica. Um, definitely at least once, if not twice, I want to get down there. I need to get some more, spend some time with some Marlin. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe shoot a tuna. Get your fix. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But no, no crazy trips. Nothing. You know, we've been kind of trying to escape out West a little bit. We got out there last summer. Cool. That's a whole different world, but I love that too. You know, the wildlife art out in Wyoming and Montana, some of the galleries out there is phenomenal. Wow. You know, really inspiring to see how other guys are creating atmosphere and subjects and and there's some legends you know that have all passed away out there but to go study their art you know it's pretty awesome so probably do a little bit of that and but nothing else man you know letting the little one grow which she does so quick you know trying to cultivate her a little bit so good yeah man there's enough going on day to day (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly i'm curious you just mentioned um seeing other people's art and everything and and i'm I'm kind of think, thinking back to like your timeline of just of starting to basically, you know, create art and put it on shirts and stuff. It feels like that whole kind of like ocean scene, that kind of th- that type of apparel became something like it, right around you were part of sort of the beginning of it. And there's more people doing more stuff, you know, pictures of whatever it is on a shirt, you know. But as you as an artist looking at other people's art, I mean, are you kind of every now and then looking at Instagram or looking at maybe it's boat shows or where there's other artists and just kind of chatting with these guys, seeing how they're doing things. And do you like take little bits and pieces and going, Oh, that's kind of a cool, I didn't know they could, they did it like that. I mean, are you kind of learning from other folks too? Oh man, that's a good question. I, you know, I do outside of, um, outside of Marine art, um, Mm -hmm. Marine art, I feel like maybe follows a little bit more than leads. Should I say? Um, there are, is a handful of artists, um, wildlife artists. Like I said, some have passed. There's a couple living that I'll look at. There's, you know, I look, find inspiration in some of the stuff they do. Um, apparel wise, there's, you know, God, it's crazy how yeah. fast everything's changing from printings to, to different, you know, the, the fabrics. I mean, and, and the applications for the new fabrics and the feels and the touches and, like we were talking about earlier, the quality of the art, that's a big thing I stress on my stuff is quality, you know, and the hook side is we're way ahead. Uh, you know, the, the technology that they're using on stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. But from an art, you know, an art standpoint, I, I find inspiration in a lot of different um, non-marine art, should I say. There are, yeah. like I said, wildlife artists. There's some, um, just some of the old you know, the, 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 what I want to say, the masters and the way they Mm -hmm. create subject and, and atmosphere and such, you know, minimal strokes and things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, branding wise, there's so many people that are just so far forward, but, and it is, it's awesome with Instagram because you can instantly jump and see all that. But I think from, from a marine art side i I, marine art and fishing in general i feel like it's really popular which is awesome it's huge on social media but 
from a growth standpoint, I don't feel like that's the place you want to focus. I don't really, you know, I kind of look towards other industries. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see, I'd say the last 10 years, probably the last, just so many, you know, a a brand comes out and they threw a a fish or something on a shirt and that's their line of stuff, which is cool. But then there's a difference. There's the artistic quality behind it, you know, and sometimes you just, I see a lot of stuff in the surf shops in Santa Cruz. It's like, I don't know, man, that's just like a, an image somebody probably just got off of freaking Google images and <laughs> doctored it up and threw it on a shirt. You know, it's different. Oh, hundred percent. You know, it's crazy with social media. I mean, I tell people all the time that if it wouldn't have been for social media in 2008, nine, I would have been a golf pro because there was no way I could expose yeah. my art to so many people so quick. But on the same time, you know, people see the salt life stories of the world. that are like, Hey, these guys created this brand literally on a napkin about what they love. And then they sold it for $60 million. Well, that doesn't really happen that often. I mean, it can, don't get me wrong, but you know, people get the wrong idea and then they, they do, they throw some just God awful stuff on shirts and guys that really appreciate what it is we're wearing. We don't want to wear that. So, you know, and, and it's like the surf brands. I mean, 10 years ago, you didn't see a fish on any of the major surf brand shirts and now they've all got fish on them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's awesome that it's become so popular, you know, and and it gives it, fortunately for me, it gives me a job, you yeah. know, so I appreciate <laughs> it. But yeah. but I do see a lot of stuff. That you're just like, oh, God, I just I don't get it. Yeah, you know? uh, I, I agree, man. One thing that I was just thinking about, too, is, you know, knock on wood, hopefully a byproduct of just people throwing a picture of a sh- of a fish or maybe a seabird or whatever on a shirt is it kind of spreads awareness, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't even ever go in the water sees this and they think that they're more attached to the ocean because they weren't it. They might actually do something about the ocean, like, you know, pick up their trash or not use plastic. Who knows what I'm just kind of hoping that like this byproduct of the saturation of like fish scene oriented apparel now can maybe even spread awareness, but I don't know. <laughs> oh no, totally. I totally agree. I think that fishing in general and how big it's gotten and, and the exposure that it's getting, people are seeing the environment. You know, we, we talk about that a lot because fortunately I've established enough of a foundation that we can, you know, we can seem to reach a lot of people pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking about what the next play is on that uh, end. And I have, a good buddy, and then another one that works for me that are marine biologists, FWC guys, and we talk a lot about education. And you know, cool. now getting these kids to really understand what it is that's out there, you know, and what needs to be done about it is kind of where it's at. So we're trying to figure out the avenue of how we can raise money, get it to education, have these kids learn about, you know, our reefs or what, whatever yeah. it is, but. You know, we talk a lot about the artificial reef program and some stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully in the next year or so, we're going to be able to get something rolling. Nice. But I do think that education and through social media, these people, exposure, I mean, because guys in Michigan are seeing beautiful pictures of blue marlin and whatever else on Instagram every day. And and they're starting to understand, hey, man, that's what I want to do, you know, so I got to make sure to do my part in keeping it. Cool. Yeah, man. I think we all have that obligation. You know, it's easy to kind of just get focused on, I just go surf and the waves are for me. But there is this, like, I think everybody, we all nowadays are obligated to give back in some way, shape or form, whether it's like doing a beach cleanup or, you know, 
taking some proceeds to fund something or going, you going into a local second grade classroom and talk about fish and art, but also tie it back to the ocean. I think we all need to start doing that <laughs> more than maybe yeah. we already do. Absolutely. I mean, we do a lot of stuff with different foundations. We just donated and they're actually growing corals and they're trying to put them back. Cool. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, I think the dinner for that's in April. Um, we do a lot with CCA and they're doing a lot on the, netting bands and things of that nature you know it's just it's crazy you know but the the other problem is is we're just a very small drop in the in the ocean here in the united states where we're conscious you know we're conscious of these things where there's other parts of the world they don't care yeah they have no idea no and and that's that's the scary part you know yeah indeed indeed man well casey man i i really appreciate your time and it's been fun chatting and i wish you the best with the boat show coming up and everything man Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're ever out west, as far as the Pacific, man, and Santa Cruz or something, you want to get after some cold some cold water diving and cold oh. water fish, man, I'm waiting for you. I'm down. I, I know you guys get some blue fins. Well, not as much up there. That's more down south. But that water is chilly up there. Yeah, man. No, it's funny. Everybody goes ape. We had a, uh, a blue fin. The, the warm water move up from Southern Cal two seconds or less. And it's cold where we are, but that this warm blob will come in to where we are and it'll get trapped. Uh-huh. Cold water around it. And so these blue fin will be stuck in there. And uh-huh. it's just like gold rush. I mean, they're hard That's to catch. Awesome. You don't just go up yeah. there and just hook them, you know. But we got broke off this year fishing for salmon with like, you know, 20 pound test and like a, you know, your salmon gear and just absolutely spooled gone. And it all happened on one Saturday and it was like this flash news. It was all over everything in our little area in Santa Cruz. It's funny. But anyway, every now and then we get a decent pelagic, but we don't know how to fish for them because they're like, you know, we're all outgunned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that it's pretty awesome though when that happens. Even though sometimes the ones you lose are the stories that last oh, forever. Yeah. That's the one you think you know? at night laying awake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Casey, well, hey, thank you so much, man. It's been a been a, a real pleasure. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. If you like what you heard, would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with people you know who might enjoy the stories that we hear and the guests we have on. And of course, even better, reduce plastic, do something good for the ocean and for each other. Thanks again. We'll catch you on the next episode.